Episode 188 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by Cloud Accounting Software FreshBooks with a free 30-day trial set aside and ready to go just for you. Visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. If you can learn how to lead without authority, it actually is the best way to lead with authority because great leaders don't lead because they're in charge. Great leaders lead through influence. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hello there. I'm so glad you've decided to make this podcast a part of your week. It is the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth, where we dig into topics like leadership, personal growth, career, business, marketing, sales, and entrepreneurship, among other topics. Leadership getting the focus today. As we are joined by a young man named Clay Scroggins, he's the author of How to Lead When You're Not in Charge, Leveraging Influence When You Lack Authority. I'll be asking Clay to share his thoughts on breaking from the mindset that says having the steering wheel is the only way to lead, how leading well has less to do with your authority and more to do with your identity, what it truly means to challenge up, and much, much more. If you haven't already done so, I challenge you to give that free 30-day trial a try from our sponsor, Cloud Accounting Software, FreshBooks. And one great reason to do that is because there's no obligation. They don't require a credit card at sign up. And you get access to all of FreshBooks features. If you are like me and either running your own business or freelancing on the side, maybe working a side hustle in the margins of life, you need a cloud accounting solution. And I know of no better option than FreshBooks Cloud Accounting Software. And side note, when you utilize that free 30-day trial, you also help Read to Lead. FreshBooks sponsorship helps underwrite some of the costs associated with producing the show week to week. So I say thank you when you check out that free trial. To do just that, go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead. That's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. And be sure to enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Take the headache and pain away from your business accounting needs. Go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Clay Scroggins is the lead pastor of North Point Community Church, providing visionary and directional leadership for the local church staff and congregation there. Clay works with uh, Andy Stanley and understands firsthand how to manage the tension of leading when you're not in charge. Starting out as a facilities intern, or what uh, Clay likes to call the vice president of nothing, he's worked his way through several organizational levels at North Point. Clay holds a degree in industrial engineering from Georgia Tech, as well as a master's degree and a doctorate with an emphasis in online church from Dallas Theological Seminary. His new book is called, and this is, in my opinion, one of the best book titles ever, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge, Leveraging Influence When You Lack Authority. Clay, welcome officially to the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks, Jeff. So glad to be able to be a part of the conversation, and thank you for all you do to help people read. That's pretty. It's a significant deposit you make into mm. people's lives, so thank you. Well, it's very kind of you to say, and I have to give credit to your boss, uh, Andy Stanley. It was because of his leadership podcast, the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast, that that I even found out about this book as he interviewed you 
yeah, not yeah. too long ago for a couple of episodes. In How to Get a Guest on Your Show 101, uh, I recommend starting by tweeting them randomly. <laughs> <laughs> then if you happen to find uh, the good fortune of sitting next to somebody on a plane who's reading that person's book, uh, take a picture of that book and tweet them again. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. I could not believe that. That, that was very flattering. Uh, this, this, is, this, is, this is divine uh, interview here today, I want you to know. Well, <laughs> some people would say all interviews are divine, Jeff, but I definitely I would I would uh, agree that this one is. Clay says that at an early age, uh, we learned that and I know I learned this as, at an early age, having the steering wheel, so to speak, is the only way to lead. Clay, why is waiting until you're the one in charge in order to lead a major mistake in your opinion? Well, you know, not everybody does that. So I, I do recognize not everybody sits back and waits. I feel like some people some people get this, uh, but it is more rare. I know I sure did not get it. I feel like it is more common for you to learn as a kid that once I get to be in charge, then I get to lead because we just associate, we just so commonly associate leadership with authority. So I, I think the natural response of, well, okay, I'm just kind of sitting back and I'm going to wait until I get to be in charge. The natural response is to sit back and, and be passive because I think that's just so common. It's normal. And we, we learn that life works that way because of just how we're raised as kids and the teacher's in charge and the bus driver's in charge <laughs> and your parents are in charge. And and so you just go, okay, well, I got to have that position until I can start leading. But I, I, I think it's just common because it's the way life works. I mean, life really does kind of set us off on that trajectory that it, it's, mo it's most common to just wait, wait until we get into the position of, that we think allows us to lead. So is leading when you're not in charge all about persuading those in charge to affect change? Or, or would you say there's more to it than that? Yeah, I actually spoke at something recently that had a lot of senior CEO type leaders mm -hmm. in the room. And the person asked me to do that. He said, hey, would you would you talk to the ones in charge about how to lead those who are not in charge better and that really threw me off because that is not what this book is about. I really hadn't even thought, I hadn't thought about that angle, Jeff, mm. the question you just asked, because I just, I, I, the way this whole thing developed is I was talking to myself essentially, uh, not in a hopefully schizophrenic kind of way, but in a, I was trying to really figure it out. I was trying to go, okay, I, I had a few promotions early in my career and I, every time I got promoted, I thought, okay, here we go. Like now I get to really lead. <laughs> And then the bigger the position got, the more disappointed I felt at the fact that I didn't feel like I was getting any better at being a leader. I just was getting more responsibility hmm. and more authority. And so I think that's really the way it started for me was uncovering that myth of, oh, wow, uh, you don't actually have to get more authority to become more of a leader. You, If, if leadership really is influence then you can lead from whatever seat you're in. So I wrote this book to people who are not in charge. So I think, you know, hopefully somebody who is in charge can read it and gain something from it. And then the ultimate twist at the very, the last chapter of the book is all about, you know, at some point you and I will be in charge of something. And the amazing thing of the way this works is that if you can learn how to lead without authority, it actually is the best way to lead with authority because great leaders don't lead because they're in charge. Great leaders lead through influence. Great leaders cultivate influence with those people that even if everybody is under you in the organization, 
you're still better off leading through influence and not leading through authority. One little story about this, I had the chance to interview Frank Blake, who's the former CEO of Home Depot, about this topic. And I really wanted to know all about his career before he became CEO of Home Depot. He he had never been the point leader. He had never been the senior leader Mm. until the day they asked him to become the CEO of the Home Depot. I said, so Frank, I'm guessing once you became CEO, then all of a sudden you got to start throwing your weight around <laughs> and you got to start telling people what to do and making decisions and which is what we think about oftentimes when we think of leading. And he kind of laughed and he kind of saw where I was going. He was like, no, you know, the, the hilarious thing is, you know, I, I would, I, you know, I would send out a memo and say, hey, here, here's what, here's where we're headed from here on out. Mm. And then I'd walk down the hall and I'd see the memo in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> wow. One of the things he said in this interview was everybody's ultimately a volunteer, even if even if you're paying them, they're still a volunteer. They could leave at any point. Mm. And so just because you have authority over them doesn't mean you should leverage that authority to try to lead them that way, that you really should try to leverage influence because it just works better that way, even if you have authority. So I do think the I think the book works for people in charge, but mm. I certainly wrote it for people that are in my shoes, people that have more bosses than they have direct reports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the great leaders I had a chance to work for uh, taught me w- was to remove from my vocabulary uh, the phrase, that's not my job or that's not in that's my right. job description. It's about really being great where you are right now, right? That's right. Yeah. I, I, the term I like a lot is the oasis of excellence. <laughs> That everybody has responsibility today, no matter where you are, to create an oasis of excellence. And, you know, that's that that wasn't one of the main points of the book, but it really I've, I've just from hearing from a lot of readers, it's one of the things that people comment about is, you know, hey, that really stuck with me because if you're not in charge, it's easy to get frustrated and go, well, I'm, I'm mad that they're not giving me more opportunity or they're not giving me more authority or they're not giving me more responsibility or they don't see what I can do. But the truth is, is if you can create an oasis of excellence right where you are today, it's probably the best thing you could do to get yourself ready and also to show the people around you that you are capable of having more responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Watson, the former CEO of uh, IBM, there's a quote that I've heard from him that I've just thought, I mean, I have used it over and over and over again, but he says, nothing so conclusively proves your ability to lead others as what you do on a day-to-day basis to lead yourself. Mm. So the greatest opportunity for any one of us to have an oasis of excellence is the way we're leading our own life, how we're leading ourselves, managing ourselves, trying to grow ourselves and the great news is if you lead yourself well, you'll always be well-led, which is <laughs> fantastic. And usually people try to, you know, the, our, our instinct is to blame and go, well, I'm not being led well. Um, but instead, if we would create an oasis of excellence right where we are in what we've been given, what we've been put in charge of, which begins with yourself, I think it really is the best way to get yourself ready and also to show others that you're capable of more. And, and I think both the person in charge and anyone under them, both parties, I think, need to be willing to extend trust. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of default to that, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what, you know, I had a guy who emailed me the other day. Um, his name is Kyle. Phenomenal guy. Mm. He uses a wheelchair and he works at a spinal center. And he was telling me about how difficult it is for him and the job he's in because he feels like his boss naturally puts limits on what he can do because he's in a wheelchair. Mm. And he said, I'm really trying to figure out how to how to get around that. You know, how do I avoid that? How do I, you know, and I, that's essentially what I said to him, Jeff, is it's all about trust. You know, it's all, you've got to trust that your boss has your best interests in mind. And then your boss needs to trust you. 
And that doesn't mean you don't need to have a conversation with, with him or her. In fact, you might need to go have a conversation today. If you feel like your boss doesn't trust you, then you might need to go to your boss in curiosity and in humility and say, hey, what would it take for you to trust me more? Or I get the sense that you don't trust me. What what do you feel like I've done to lose your trust or what have I done to earn your trust or what could I do to earn your trust? And, and also, you got to go into it with the best intention, assuming the best intentions that your boss really does have your best interest in mind. Of course, the challenge, Jeff, is, well, what if my boss is horrible, <laughs> which is the most common feedback I get from this book is, hey, sounds like you've had some good bosses in your life, which I have had some good bosses and I've had some bad bosses in my life. <laughs> um, and I think it all everything still applies to a good boss or a bad boss. But that's 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 a challenge for a lot of people is why well, I, I, I don't want to say I hate my boss, but I do not like my boss. What do I do? What do I do if my boss doesn't care about me? And I think that's, unfortunately, we've got to find a way to trust even when there's not a strong relationship there. And that's difficult to do, but it is, it's still possible. And it really is. I think you're right. I think it's, it's, it's the thing that is going to lead to a better relationship. Uh, distrust will not, but assuming the best at some point will lead to something better than where you currently are. And if you are that person with a terrible boss, when you're leading yourself well, I think what you're getting at is there's a ripple effect, right? That's that, right. That's going to have a positive impact eventually. That's right. You know, I love Boston's More Than a Feeling song. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the classic all-time rock right, songs. Right, um, But we're, we're not much more than a feeling to mm. our bosses, that our bosses have a feeling about us. I mean, the way I experience this is when someone calls my phone and their name pops up, I've got a couple of choices there. Mm. And what I do with that phone call is usually determined by the feeling that that person has just given me. Mm. And a lot of that has to do with what the relationship is like. And I was thinking about that one day. I was thinking about how, gosh, this is really interesting. I was looking at a name going, should I send them to voicemail or should I not? And then sometimes you just let it ring a little longer so they don't feel like you sent them directly to voicemail. <laughs> However, I started thinking about, you know what? If I feel this way about this person, my boss has a feeling about me. Mm. And I think oftentimes we think that we are a victim to the feeling, but we're not. We have more influence over that feeling than we think we have. And part of your ability to affect what your boss feels about you, I think, has everything to do with how you're leading yourself. And if you lead yourself better, uh, I would imagine your boss is going to have a better feeling about you. Uh, the second big behavior that I'm trying to incorporate that's really the second pillar for this book is choosing positivity. Mm. And there's been a lot written about that, but it, it, it is just so powerful to think that in every situation, the greatest ability I have to affect the situation is through my attitude. And the same is true with your boss. If you choose tomorrow to be more positive about what's going on at work, then chances are your boss will have a better feeling about you and it will eventually breed a better relationship for you and that boss, I think. Well, if it's not already obvious, uh, just for the record, Clay dislikes voicemail. So reach out via text <laughs> or email. Uh, I dislike voicemail, I think, as much as you do, Clay. Uh, do you really? Yeah, I just do not like to talk on the phone. Jeff, that is so good to hear. Because sometimes <laughs> when people say that, I feel judged. I feel like they're thinking, oh, you're one of those people. But yeah, the, the voicemails hang over my head like an albatross, or oh, I yeah. guess around my neck. I mean, they're just, oh, when I see it there, I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> As a pastor, I mean, I, that's that's not a good thing because a lot of times I need to get back quickly to people, certainly quicker than I do. But uh, fortunately, text messaging is such a great form of communication. 
<laughs> well, you talked a bit about leading yourself well, choosing uh, positivity. Uh, yep. Break down uh, critical thinking and, and the difference between being critical and, and thinking critically. Yeah. That, that, this honestly is probably one of my favorite parts of this whole idea is, you know, what I started to do uh, probably about five years ago when I started bumping into some of these principles, someone asked me, said, hey, we want you to come share at our team meeting. What are you learning right now? Mm-hmm. And I had never, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not instinctively disciplined mm-hmm. and I'm not, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm very much a live in the moment or even live thinking about the future kind of person. I rarely stop to look at the past. And that's, that's a, um, I think there's value in that, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so I had never really had the discipline or taken the time to sit down and write, what am I learning? And that's really how all this happened for me is I, when I stopped to do that, this phrase popped into my head of, I'm trying to learn how to lead, even though I keep realizing that I'm getting more authority and it's not making me any more of a leader. <laughs> so I got to figure something out. So that phrase hit me that, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to lead when I'm not in charge. And then I started going, okay, well then what, what should I do? What should I begin to do to cultivate more influence? Because I really believe you can cultivate more influence in whatever seat you're in. And I, so I, for me, I basically started, I developed a little framework, a few behaviors that turned into this book. The first one is to lead yourself. The second one is to choose positivity. And the third one is to think critically. And I love the position of think critically because it does come right after this pie in the sky, feel good, have a great attitude kind of philosophy, which some people like if they're wired that way, but there are other people that just hate that because they're progress oriented. They're, they're driven. They want to make a difference. They want something to change. They want to make something better. And I really think these two couple really well together that if you can have a positive attitude, your boss wants you cheering about what's happening today. Your boss wants you excited about what you're working on. How do I know that? Well, because what's the alternative? Not excited about what's going on today. I mean, nobody (laughs) wants that. I mean, I, I want everyone on our team thinking what we're doing today is the most important thing on the planet. I want them excited about what they're working on. And if that's true for me, I believe my boss probably wants the same thing. So after I've gotten through that, okay, I'm going to try to bring my energy today. Then what? Well, then I think it's learning to have the skill to think critically, to make something better, to create something great today, to add value in whatever seat I'm in. So that's really what the critical thinking is. The Lego movie says it really, really well. <laughs> I've got, I've got little kids. And so we're, if the movie's not animated, it's a fat chance that we're watching it. <laughs> but the Lego movie's got that song in it that they just walk around singing. Mm. They go, everything is awesome. <laughs> and they just sing it over and over again. It's kind of this Truman show, like planned controlled society that Will Ferrell is lording over <laughs> And he's basically trying to he's basically training people's minds to think that everything is always awesome. Mm. And that's not great leadership. You can't walk around singing that song, choosing positivity in every situation going, oh, this is great. Everything's wonderful. Everything's terrific. This is fantastic. Never been better. That's not what your boss wants. I would imagine your boss wants you to be excited about what you're working on, but also to be thinking about how to add value, which is what thinking critically is. So. Mm. I really think critical thinking has got three key components. People that are great critical thinkers notice things, question things, and connect things. Hmm. 
and you, I, I don't know why, but I see this most when you walk into a restaurant with someone who does this naturally and they just look around and go, huh, here's three things that could change to make this restaurant better, you know, mm. and their spouse probably or their partner probably or a roommate or whoever probably hates it mm. because they're going, hey, can you turn that off? Because <laughs> I just want to hang out right now. You know, we're not trying to optimize the process of this <laughs> restaurant. We're just trying to have a good time, but it's hard to turn off. Uh, and I really believe if you're good at it, you're good at it. And if you're not good at it, you can get good at it. You can, you can develop the skill. It really is a skill that you can get better at. But the danger is that you'd become real critical. You know, the having a critical spirit is very toxic in an organization. Being a critical thinker, I believe is key to becoming a great leader, no matter what seat you're sitting in. So it really is a razor thin line between the two. And it's important to know the difference. And it's important to be able to distinguish between the two. Well, we've dipped our toe in the water a bit already into part three uh, of the book, a a section that uh, Clay calls challenging authority. And I think Clay, oftentimes when when people hear that phrase, they go to one extreme or the other. They they get like I used to do when it came to challenging authority, and they get really excited because <laughs> I used to love to do that. Or they get really nervous. Oh, yeah. uh, talk about this concept uh, in the book of challenging up and, and how we can do that in an impactful and, and, and effective way. Yeah, so I got, I got through the majority of this book, and I thought, uh-oh, I can just envision somebody reading through this going – oh no, I've got to have a hard conversation with my boss because if you're thinking critically, if you're leading yourself well and you're growing and you're developing and you're thinking of ideas and and you're bringing positivity, but you're also thinking of how to make it better, well, the chances are good that something needs to change and change never happens without challenge. Change always happens when something's challenged. That's the way change begins. So I just started envisioning myself going, okay, what do I do? What do I got to do if I'm going to have to go have this hard conversation with my boss and say, a a real life example for me right now is, you know, for 2000 years, really since the beginning of the church, church has been all about going to a building and learning something, having a conversation about something, having some kind of experience. Mm. Well, The digital disruption that we're experiencing in the world is wreaking havoc in the church world as well, Mm. because now people are they don't feel like they need to go attend to something they can go learn on their own. So we've I feel like there's a significant change that we need to make from requiring people to come to us Mm. and thinking about it differently and going, what are we going to do? How are we going to get to people to where they are and integrate more with their lifestyle? So. That's a pretty significant shift in our organization for us to start thinking that way. And I've had to figure out how to challenge my bosses in the plural sense of the word well in order to be able to move us forward toward the direction that I think we need to move. So, yeah, it's an essential thing. It is. It is. And, and you're so right, Jeff. Some people, they either get too excited and go, oh, I can't wait. Roll up the sleeves. Let's let's do this, you know, which is. <laughs> usually dangerous, Mm. or they get real passive and go, nope, not going to happen. Not today. Not me. Maybe someone else, but you can do it really well. I mean, I'm convinced you can say anything to anybody if you say it the right way, if you take the right approach. And so it really is all about approach. It's all about how are you going to, how are you going to have the conversation? When should you have it? What's the right attitude that you should carry into it? And, and then how do you not give up? How do you, how do you, uh, how, how can you be okay with no, but not willing to take no as an answer? Because I think that really is the key to being able to challenge well. I actually 
uh, did something once that I'm embarrassed to share with you. But about 10 years ago, I was on a conference call at a radio station that I, that I worked for uh, with the CEO on the line. And somebody asked for my opinion, and, and my response was, well, my opinion doesn't matter. And they said, well, why, why do you feel that way? And I said, well, because nothing we ever do in these meetings ever gets implemented. <laughs> wow. But I bet a lot of people feel that way, Jeff. <laughs> I remember going to, to my direct supervisor who answered directly to the CEO who was on that call, and I said, you're probably going to get a phone call today. <laughs> <laughs> just want to just just want to warn you. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I, I wish I had this book uh, 10, 15 years ago, but you meant what I said early on. When, when I first read that title or heard that title, I thought that, that is like the best title for a book ever. ever. If, if you're in a position, no matter who you are, where you are, where you answer to somebody else, you need to read this book, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge, Leveraging Influence When You Lack Authority. Well, well, Clay, I have a couple of questions I'd love to ask you that aren't directly related to the book. But before I do that, I want to give you a chance to share anything else from the book you want to make sure we know. One of the challenges that I've had that I did not foresee is, I, you know, I am a pastor. That is what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. So that's very clear in the biography on the back of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, this title, uh, as you have so kindly said, it reaches, I really believe everyone can grow, everyone can benefit from it. The challenge though, for me was I had to write from the perspective, my own perspective, which as a pastor, I feel like the worldview that I hold is that God has a lot to do with this, that Mm. there are spiritual implications to this, that I believe the very desire that we have to grow something and to make something better is of God. It's from God. I believe that that desire you have to be frustrated with the fact that that phone call was a waste of your time. (laughs) I think that's a godly thing that's in you Mm. because God made you, he wired you to make something better. So I do want to say to anybody who, I don't know, we're, we're in a culture, Jeff, where people are greatly offended by faith. And I can understand that. And honestly, I hate it because it usually means some pastor in their background has done something sleazy or perhaps cheesy or <laughs> or just wrong or hateful, and it's caused people to shut down whenever the topic of faith comes up. So I do just want to say the book is written from a perspective of faith. And really, you know, I wrote it to people who are working in a church environment, because that's the environment where I feel that that's 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 where I felt most comfortable to speak into, because that's what I do. I thought, well, who am I to write to somebody in a for profit business? But anyway, so I just I do want to say that to any one of your listeners, just so that nobody's surprised or caught up. A couple, I have a, I've had a couple Amazon reviews where people are like, oh, I love the title. I want to read the book and didn't realize it was so Christian, you know, <laughs> um, and I thought, well, I am a pastor. Like, I'm not I'm not an imam, you know, like, I'm not, I'm, so anyway, thank you for giving me that chance. Oh, no problem. No problem. Well, I'd love for you to think about the books that have impacted you over the years, uh, Clay. What are the titles that the sort of you, you go back to again and again as having had a, a big influence on your life? Early on, my enjoyment of reading probably started with biographies. Mm-hmm. Um, so Harriet Tubman's biography mm-hmm. when I was in high school really shaped me. I went to a high school that was predominantly African-American. And that gave me a view that I would not have otherwise had. That was probably where my enjoyment of reading began. Hmm. And then in college, Jack Welch's biography was really uh, straight from the gut, was very shaping for me. Hmm. And I think it's what, honestly, it's what pushed me to go into ministry because (laughs) I I read his, I, I read straight from the gut and I thought, 
oh my goodness, if that's what it takes to win in the corporate world, I don't think I have that. I don't know that I can do that. Um, that's great. Yeah, so those were a couple of, I don't know, from my past. I mean, I'm currently reading Quest Love's biography. I, mm. I really enjoy hip hop, rap, that type of music. I like all music, but mm. Um, and I love, I've been a big fan of the roots ever since I was in college. Oh. They're the house band on Jimmy Fallon sure. and Quest Love is the drummer that sits there with a sly grin on his face, but he's a very bright intellectual. Uh, and he grew up in the church. His dad was very active in their church. It's just such a frustrating thing to me that, that so many people grow up in communities or homes or churches like that and then decide I want to leave it all. And that's kind of what Questlove has done. But it's a it's a fantastic it's just a great story of his life. And he's just very insightful and interesting to read. So anyway, those are just a few mm. from the biography section. Well, let me ask, uh, Clay, what's next for you? What are you and your team working on now that you're excited about? I know you mentioned sort of uh, addressing uh, some of the, the, the digital challenges. Anything else yeah. you want to share? Yeah. And, and I'm really trying to convince our team that they really are digital opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. I, they, they feel like challenges because our it feels like our attendance is decreasing. Mm-hmm. But if we look at what's happening digitally, I really believe we're our attendance is just changing. It's shifting. Mm-hmm. And so what what we're I mean, what we're trying to do is trying to get people into face to face relationships through groups. We're trying to get people into service positions where they're trying to help other people. And we're trying to get people to be as generous as possible to other people financially, and then to be a part of inviting people into all of those things I just mentioned as well. So that, that's kind of how we actually measure measure success. And we're finding that people don't have to physically attend a building to do any of those things, that there are ways that we can create frictionless digital pathways for people to engage. And so that's what we're spending a ton of time on right now, but it's a significant shift that, you know, every industry has made it. The banking industry, I mean, I just saw that Wells Fargo is closing a lot of their Mm. brick and mortar stores because so much of the banking industry is online now. Um, Education has shifted radically with so much online education. Mm. Every, every, most other industries have already experienced this, but I feel like the church world usually lags behind by about a decade or so. So we're, it's just now getting to the point where we're feeling it figuring out, we got to figure out what we're doing. And, and I really believe it's an opportunity for the future that it's not just, it, I, I really mean that it's not just a challenge. It really is an opportunity. Yeah. So I, I used to have a job in radio, but now I have a job in podcasting. There you go. There you go, Jeff. We're, we're, we're experiencing the shift as we speak. That's right. That's great. Well, the book again is how to lead when you're not in charge, leveraging influence when you lack authority by Clay Scroggins forward by Andy Stanley. And you know, it's a great book when you've taken out your pen and you haven't even left the forward. You're already underlining stuff. Uh, Fantastic book. Clay, thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. I really appreciate it. Glad to do it. Thank you, Jeff. If you'd like to connect with Clay, you can find him on Twitter. He's at Clay Scroggins on Twitter. Now, all the links and resources, as usual, that we talked about today, including the uh, books that Clay recommended, can all be found on the show notes page created especially for this episode. That's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 188. 
for episode 188. Hey, don't forget our sponsor, FreshBooks Cloud Accounting Software, freshbooks.com slash read to lead to find out more about that free 30-day trial. If you or someone you know is struggling to lose weight or get in shape, I want to point you to my friends Matt and Courtney over at the Weight Loss Podcast. It's a weekly podcast focused on helping you lose weight and never, ever finding it again in a realistic, sustainable, and healthy way. Matt and Courtney are husband and wife and, and together have lost a combined 230 pounds and they share their own inspirational stories of weight loss and some of the mindset struggles they've dealt with, as well as interviewing real people just like you who share their own stories of struggle and success. If you've just started your weight loss journey, are well on your way through it, or are maintaining your current level of success and looking to connect with like-minded people, this show is for you. I love that you get both the male and female perspective on weight loss from husband and wife Matt and Courtney. To find out more, just visit theweightlosspodcast.com. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Oh, 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 oh,